The PX3 Podcast brought to you as always by everybody who supports us at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. I mean, not only are you getting two podcasts for free every single week lately. Yesterday, we had a great interview about health care. Three reasons why it is more complicated in America than it needs to be and what's going to happen to fix it. Spoiler alert, not a lot. But also, if you support us at TakePoliticsSeriously.com, then you also get two more podcasts, one on Monday, one on Friday. That means four podcasts a week. You are always on top of everything that is happening in the world of podcast, podcast, a world of politics as filtered through my wacky brain. Go ahead and check it out. Take politicsseriously.com. Everybody to the politics, politics, politics podcast. PX3 is what we call it here in the streets. It's your old boy, Justin Robert Young, bringing you yet another week of political analysis. Man, we got a lot here for you. We're going to talk about uh, uh, no more Mr. Nice Bernie. We're going to talk about Trump's China gambit. We're going to talk about executive privilege being uh, exerted over the unredacted Mueller report. We're going to talk about Elizabeth Warren. We're going to talk about Mayor Pete's black people problem. And we're going to talk about Kim Kardashian, as well as the pole dance, as well as your emails. But we begin with the big bounce. Boy, oy, 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 oy. Yep, Joe Biden. He came to play. Uh, he's not listening to me. He's not listening to me saying that he's going to step on his dick so hard it's going to fall off. He's not listening to my uh, uh, big compilation of him slurring his way through his initial speech. Nobody cares. You want to know why? Because the poll numbers are in and they are boffo. We are looking at the Avengers endgame of debuts here politically there used to be this idea that there were two front runners, the unannounced Joe Biden and the currently running and surging Bernie Sanders. That, my friends, is no longer the case. Bernie Sanders has been dusted, dusted, while Joe Biden flirts with the high 30s to low 40s in a couple of these uh, uh, polls. We read now from Nate Silver in 538. Four national polls released on Tuesday all showed Biden's support significantly higher than it was in previously editions of the same surveys. CNN's poll found Biden at 39%, up 11 points from his 28% in the previous poll in March, well ahead of Bernie Sanders, who was at 15. Quinnipiac University had Biden at a similar 38%, with Elizabeth Warren nominally in second place at 12% of the vote, compared to 11% for Sanders and 10% for Pete Buddha judge. Well, what does that say? 
on one hand, it, it, it's not insurmountable. I think this, this is the thing I've seen this. This is one of the dumbest takes I've ever seen. All right. The dumbest take I've ever seen is everybody going after. And I, I, you know, I, I love Chris Eliza on the Tony Kornheiser show. La Cheeserie. Uh, that, I'm not I'm not attacking the man as a person, but as a pundit, Chrissy, baby, come on. What is you doing? He's like, oh, destroying the electability myth. And then points to like, oh, but look at who else was polling uh, in in a good position at this point in an election cycle. So maybe electability doesn't mean all that much. And nobody said that Trump was electable and he's the president. What the hot ham water you is in your gourd, Saliza? Jeez, Louise, with cheese. All this means is that Joe Biden is very likely to be a player not only in the early states, but he's the man to beat. That's what it says. It says that there is now a gigantic target on Joe Biden's back. It means that he's going to have to defend all comers. Because this is not a situation where he's running neck and neck with somebody else. In fact, you might assume, you might assume that it would be better if Bernie was polling better. Because then at least anybody who's rolling behind them, who's getting desperate that maybe the money isn't coming in as fast as it should. Maybe the poll numbers aren't adding up the way that you want them to, that they would have to choose. Do I attack the moderator? Do I attack the progressive? But now, oh Baby, two things are absolutely North Pole gravity sure, all right? Number one, Joe Biden is that dude, and he will be treated like that. Everybody's going to go after him. Everybody is going to attack him. Everybody's going to find some little thing that would be exposed. I don't think we are going to see a lot of that genteel civility that we saw in 2016 between Bernie and Hillary in the early going. There's not going to be a lot of, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about your damn emails. We're going to get into that a little bit more as well. It's going to be nasty from the jump. Because nobody runs 20 points ahead of the field and doesn't catch shit. So people are already pointing this out in the chat. We're going to see Biden's family. Mm, Maybe we're going to see some of this Ukrainian stuff. In my mind, in my mind, we are also going to see one of two things. What I pointed out last week, Biden is old. Biden is older than dirt. When dirt looks at its yearbook, it sees when he was in junior, uh, when he was a junior, Joe Biden was a senior. That's how old fucking Joe Biden is. Joe Biden would walk into the White House older than Trump would walk out of it. And Trump was the oldest dude ever elected. Now, Bernie is slightly younger. I think he's two years younger than Biden. But Bernie isn't slurring. Bernie does not look, he does not project as old as Biden does. And that's where you would see some, some, you know, maybe a little bit of like a, oh, you know, it would be nice if we could actually have a state of the union where someone didn't slur through it. Maybe it would be, it'd be nice if you could have a stump speech that didn't leave a portion of the audience saying, is grandpa okay? 
got a lot of young people running. You've got Beto. You've got Mayor Pete. You've got Kamala Harris. You've got the Yang Gang. Yang Gang, Yang Gang. Now here's the other side. Joe Biden is creepy. We've already talked about it a little bit. The stage has been set. The question is, will any of the insurgent female candidates take a shot at him? Who is going to be the one? Somebody will do it. We said this when it first happened. We said this when when these stories first came out. We said that somebody was going to lance Joe Biden in the heart with a harpoon. R.I.P. Regal. Somebody was going to catch Joe Biden with a what does this say to our, our, our daughters? That a man with this cavalier an attitude toward the other, to, to the bodies of women is now again going to be the standard bearer, but this time not for the Republicans, for our party. Is it going to be Gillibrand? Is it going to be Harris? I've always thought the most devastating with Harris being out there on a stump speech saying, I dare him to sniff my hair. Is it going to be Klobuchar? Klobuchar's got that hockey mom thing. She's got that, you know, she she can take it from another perspective. Now, here's the other thing that's absolutely true. You have to wonder now. We've seen a bunch of people debut. We've seen a bunch of money come in. By and large, the front runners of the Democratic primary have been progressive and have tended to skew more progressive than you might have thought. I'm looking at you, Beto O'Rourke. He has gone a little bit more to the left. He has not embraced a moderate side. Everybody seems to be reading the tea leaves the exact same way, which says if Bernie's raising that amount of money, if AOC is drawing the kind of attention she's drawn, if, 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 if the Democratic electorate is in rapt attention to find out that she just understood what a garbage disposal was on her Instagram, then that means that the attention, the heat, is on the progressive side. And so we need to cater to that. We need to follow the heat. And that was the conventional wisdom until Joe Biden came in here and just said, I got all those. A lot of these undecided voters seem to be very enthusiastic for Joe Biden. So the question then becomes, exactly how promising a path is chasing the progressive electorate? And do we see any kind of pivots or in more bold-faced terms saying, I'm not a socialist? These candidates are going to start eating each other. They are going to start eating each other. That is not a question. That is a statement. That is a spoiler alert. 
and the way that the moderates eat the progressives are are saying, I'm not a socialist. Socialism is not what America does. They are so far to the left right now that you can cut them off at that pass. Now, on the other side, you have Bernie saying, yeah, I am. I'm a socialist, and that's what America needs. But there's some of these mushy middle folks. Looking at you, Warren. Looking at you, Harris. That now they're going to have to choose. Which side of this are you on? Because Joe Biden has just demonstrated that there are a lot of moderate voters. And as much as they don't like Trump, they might also like their private health insurance. Now, I'm going to go to a, a comment here by Big Jim in our chat. It's a serious question. Beto sniffs that moderates are making traction. Does Beto move to the middle? He would be one of them that I would suspect if, if he sees that that's the case, that maybe he might be getting some advice that says, eh, maybe dance a little bit more to the middle. Maybe highlight more of your uniter, not a divider, moderate stances. But the man, I think that'll probably do it because he's already laid some of the groundwork. His Buddha judge. Mayor Pete. Now, he's got some other problems. We're going to get to those in a second. Politics. This is the time in the show that I remind you guys that we have a newsletter. Yes, I mean that. As the collective we, not just me. It's not just me who writes the free political newsletter each and every weekday. That is Monday through Friday, five days a week, five stories a day, mostly gifts, sometimes hot takes. It's us. Us. Because I get some of the best emails that I've ever gotten for any project I've ever done every single day from the folks that read the free political newsletter. It is great. It is worth opening every single day, not only just to uh, catch what, uh, uh, you know, the, the news stories that you might have missed. Maybe if you chuckle some some politically related chuckles in the morn, but also because there's just so many awesome perspectives and there's so many funny, for whatever reason, y'all are some real Star Trek nerds. There are some real Trekkies up in this piece because I get more references to Star Trek in the free political newsletter than uh, anything else. Okay, we got it. We got it. We got a pretty good Ferengi joke coming up in the next one. So go ahead and sign on up. Freepoliticalnewsletter.com is where you do it. We just passed a major milestone, so big shout out, salute to uh, uh, we we just crossed uh, across seventeen seventy six subscribers. We're marching to two thousand in the year two thousand and beyond. It is indeed free. Free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. And a reminder: anytime you can. If you respond to the email, it helps keep that out of the Gmail Alderitos, putting it in the promotions folder, in the spam folder. If you respond to me, I respond to you every single morning. Thank you to everybody who helps us fight that good fight. Freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Politics! A few more stories that we need to get to, uh, and this was something that, I, I made mention to before that Bernie regrets playing it too easy on Clinton early. 
when Bernie really had a shot. Specifically, the, the you know, he gets a cheap pop with the, like, I'm sick and tired of hearing about your damn emails. And so, this is the story that we get today. This is from, or sorry, not today, this week. Bernie Sanders decides to play rough this time. In just the last month, Bernie Sanders unloaded a blistering attack on the leading Democratic think tank. He went after former Vice President Joe Biden on a number of policy fronts, and one of his top congressional surrogates accused Mayor Pete Buttigieg of intellectual dishonesty. It's a new, more aggressive look for Team Sanders, the senator who four years ago, known as a gruff but endearing candidate running a Democratic socialist ideas-driven campaign, has decided to bear his fangs more this time in hopes that it might actually win him the nomination. The senator learned many lessons from 2016. Nina Turner, a national co-chair of Sanders' 2020 campaign, told the Daily Beast, and one of those lessons is to show what separates you very clearly from the rest of the people running. In an effort, aides and associates say, born from a new role he occupies in Democratic politics with his name ID having skyrocketed, And assuming that the role of the ideological Pied Piper to the left, Sanders himself says he no longer feels the need to take time to introduce himself or his ideas to voters. I think we start off, well, I think we start off with an advance that many people know where I'm coming from, the senator told the Daily Beast in a recent interview. That all of these issues, health care is a human right, raising the minimum wage to a living wage, addressing climate change, Dealing with broken criminal justice system on a broken immigration system, protecting the women's right to choose. These are not new ideas for me. I, I think he's going to go after people a little bit more. I think he is. I, 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 and I would if I was him. What the fuck does he have to lose? He's old. This is it. This is his best chance. Everything has been building up to this moment for Bernie Sanders. He has been a laughingstock in Washington, D.C. for decades. He is just that dude who does that dude things. And now, now he has a chance to be president of the United States of America. It does not get better than this for Bernie Sanders. So why not empty the tank? Why not go after every little element of every other candidate? Why not pick and prod and fight what do you have to lose your reputation you're not even a democrat my guy burn it down that's all i'm saying and i'm glad that he's understood that because i i knew that he was screwed the second that he's not not you know, not pushing on hillary's emails and by the way by the way let me let me let me introduce this idea If Bernie had pushed harder on her emails, if he had not tacitly given her a pass, I think Hillary Clinton might be president because I think Hillary might have been forced to deal with that issue instead of living in this bubble, this democratic bubble that everything's fine, there's nothing to see here, move along. She would have had to have apologized. And if she had apologized then maybe she's not as vulnerable by the time that Comey, Comey's all over everything at the end of the general election. She can say, look, this is something I already apologized for. The FBI, open it up, close it down, 
uh, do the hokey pokey and you move yourself around. I don't care. I already apologized for it. Let's focus on the issues. Instead, she got wagged. She got boomed by Comey. All right. Let's talk about this China thing. Let's talk about the China thing. China, China, China. Donald Trump had been making a lot of overtures over the last few months, saying that things are going very well with the Chinese negotiations, that a big, beautiful trade deal might indeed be on the horizon. A little reminder that this is the only place where Donald Trump gets bipartisan credit. Big, bold moves in Asia. He got bipartisan credit when it seemed like things were going well with North Korea. And then they didn't. He's been getting bipartisan. He would get tremendous bipartisan credit if he does make a deal with China. And then Sunday came. And we got the tweets that China has been reneging on some of the promises that they had made at the 11th hour and that Donald Trump is not one to be trifled with. Indeed, tariffs were about to go up and they were going to go up quickly. At the time that you are hearing this, it is Wednesday at 11.47 a.m. on the West Coast. That means that we have less than 48 hours before price on the package goes up for any and everything that comes in from China. Now, what does that really mean? On one hand, it shows that for all of his bluster, for all of his, man, these are easy, I don't know why these pencil neck politicians don't just use the weight of the United States to their advantage. We should just call North Korea on their bluff. We should say that they don't have any kind of weapons that would really hurt us. Let's then offer them a deal to denuclearize and we'll move forward. Well, it turns out that's not that simple. Trade wars are easy to win. Trade wars are something that are good for the economy. We should not be led around by the nose by China. We will stand up to them. We will start a trade war. We will get a better deal because I'm the deal maker. Well, that looked pretty good until Sunday. But. This is the position that I believe Donald Trump wants to find himself in. If I'm going to put my mind my, myself in the mind of Donald Trump on this specific uh, this specific thing, he is going to look at this deal in the same way that a private sector deal would be done. Any massive private sector deal rarely gets done at the beginning of the negotiation. Now what happens is you get, you know, close to a deal and you circle. You circle. You circle. And hopefully you're getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And then at the 11th hour, you say, oh, hold on. But it's when the balls are the tightest. When everyone's sphincter is so tight that they are sharding diamonds. 
That's when the rubber hits the road. That's when the ink hits the paper. That's what a private sector deal looks like in the mind of Donald Trump, a man who wrote a book about him. Now, the question is, and this is what you always hear from the government side of folks, is that, well, look, it's not exactly like that because private sector companies do have pressures on them that countries don't. China's going to be China whether or not they make the deal. In fact, it's not like they're going to have a lot of business leaders complaining. They're China. You can't really complain about the government. You can be upset about it, but they really don't care. Now, China would like to get this done. They do want their economy to continue to roar. They understand that their largest trading partner putting more onerous tariffs on them is bad. But this is not the same as trying to sign a, a deed for new development properties, no matter how much Donald Trump wants to think that it is. Now, let's say this doesn't happen. A deal, that is. And let's say that these tariffs go up and we're hearing from uh, a, a, a big gym, our trade czar, that there might even be a larger gigantic tariff that goes in on all Chinese goods in the offing. That, that, that might be the final card in his back pocket. This is him gambling with his greatest asset in terms of electability, and that's the economy. Right now, the economy is doing very well. Job numbers are very good. He has that when everything else can fall down, when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, Trumpomania can always run wild when it comes to the economic sector. But if it doesn't, then you know for sure that Donald Trump has his fingerprints on the reason why. He gambled with the economy needlessly. We had the Trans-Pacific Partnership done. That was a done deal. That was ready to sign. Negotiated. It was ready to go. And then he backed out. And he believed he could negotiate another deal out of hubris. If it works, he gets the credit. And if the economy is booming by election day, he will say, look, I was that guy that I said I was. I was the deal maker. I did go to China. I did flop my nuts on the table. And eventually they did what I said. But if it goes wrong, I don't know. That looks very bad. That looks, that looks terrible. This would be on him. Speaking about some other stuff that would be on Donald Trump, here's the other news that is breaking today. And that is that the White House is exerting its executive privilege over the unredacted Mueller report. This is the back and forth between uh, Congress and the Justice Department. It looks as if 
William Barr will be held in contempt. That is by the Congressional Judiciary Committee, I believe, the House Judiciary Committee. But the news is this. Uh, the White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said in a statement that President Trump has, quote, no other option than to make a protective assertion of executive privilege over the full unredacted Mueller report in response to the House Judiciary Committee's contempt vote for Attorney General Bill Barr. The House Judiciary Committee on Wednesday voted along party lines to bring a resolution to hold Barr in contempt for failing to comply with a subpoena for the full report and its underlying materials. In a letter to Chairman Jerry Nadler, Assistant Attorney General Stephen Boyd confirmed that the president will assert executive privilege over the entirety of the subpoenaed materials in the Mueller report. During the House Judiciary Committee's hearing for the markup of Barr's contempt resolution, Nadler said, quote, Since the White House has waived these privileges long ago, and the department seemed open to sharing these materi materials with us just yesterday, this decision represents a clear escalation in the Trump administration's blanket defiance. I hope the department will think better of this last-minute outburst and return to negotiations. Nadler added, the fight is not just about the Mueller report. The president has stated that his administration will oppose all subpoenas. This is unprecedented. If allowed to go unchecked, this obstruction means the end of congressional oversight. This report was never going to be made fully available in its unredacted form. But I do think that that is a uh, that is a a request you know is going to get turned down. Because it, it, it involves foreign intelligence. It involves stuff, the court cases that are already still going on. Now, you can push to have more unredacted. You can you can push to get more information, but I'll tell you what this all smells like to me. The House knows that they're not going to push impeachment. So you can't focus on Trump because the more you focus on Trump, the more the next question from your constituents who are all horned up about Trump will be, will then impeach his ass. Y'all got the power. Do it. So they can't go for Trump. They got to go for Barr. He's the Barr star. Of course, this is not anything that uh, you know hasn't happened before. I mean, hell, if we get another uh, a contempt, you know, another House Judiciary Committee that's going to try to hold the Attorney General in contempt, that'll be two administrations in a row where that happened. At least we know Obama would have never claimed executive privilege. Wrong! Oh, wait. That must mean that it is time for the parade! <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, 
Yes, the parade of wrong opinions. Elizabeth Warren is really excited she took money from a big pharma donor. That is from Politico. Uh, Warren on Wednesday rolled out a new version of her aggressive plan to combat the opioid crisis, hoping the crackdown will appeal to 2020 voters in states hit hard by the epidemic. But even as she repeatedly vowed to punish executives profiting off the booming industry, Warren's campaign in 2018 accepted money from a prominent family member of one of the nation's top opioid manufacturers. After Politico pointed out to Warren's campaign that her 2018 Senate re-election effort accepted $2,500 from Beverly Sackler, whose late husband Raymond ran Purdue Pharma with his brother Mortimer. I mean, come on. Is there a more I ran a big pharma uh, a name than Raymond and Mortimer Purdue? <laughs> An aide said late uh, late Tuesday that Warren would donate that money to charity. When asked which charity, the aide did not respond. I'm sure they'll be right back with official comment. Wrong. Mayor Pete has a lot of black friends. Wrong! Oh, jeez. This is uh, another Politico story. Really, it's it's uh, part of the reason why Biden is surging is that he does very, very, very well with black voters. So another moderate that wants to do better is Mayor Pete, Mr. Buttigieg. Problem is, his surge has almost entirely been dominated by affluent city white liberals. He had uh, scheduled a meet and greet at in Orangeburg, South Carolina, a city that is 76% black, but only a dozen or so people showed up in a crowd of more than 100, a few dozen people of color, rather, at, at a town hall the night before held in North Charleston High School where minority enrollment is 97% in a city that is roughly half black. It was another overwhelmingly white audience. Recent polling shows Buttigieg winning only 2% among African-Americans, so he needs to begin addressing the issue quickly to have any hope of contending for the Democratic nomination or competing in South Carolina, an early primary state where African-Americans cast roughly 60% of the primary votes, or at least they did in 2016. Dig this. Mayor Pete as an outsider has to win at least one of Ohio, New Hampshire, South Carolina. He's got to win one. Iowa would probably be his best shot. They love an upstart. New Hampshire's going to be tough. Biden, Warren, and Bernie come from the region. And South Carolina, unless he does better with black voters, mm, Mayor Pete might be toast. Hey, Kim Kardashian isn't running for president. Wrong! Y'all know I've been on this. I've been on this for a while now this from tmz kim kardashian helped free 17 inmates in 90 days reuniting them with their families kim kardashian is helping free inmates at an amazingly high rate and she's been doing it rather quietly we've learned that kim and her legal team helped 17 prisoners gain freedom over the last three months or so each of them having served uh, years in life sentences without parole for low-level drug offenses. 
This is all part of the 90 Days of Freedom campaign launched by Kim's lawyer, Brittany K. Barnett, in partnership with Miangelo Cody of the De-Incarceration Collective. The campaign puts the First Step Act signed by President Trump late uh, last year to work for prisoners who received draconian sentences. Now, look, I'm not saying she's running now. I'm not saying she's running now. But if you were to ask me, if I if I could have a place where I could put down action on will Kim Kardashian run for president at some point in her life, I would vote yes. So, I, I again, I'm not saying now. Because I think she'd run as a Republican. And I'm not BSing you. I think she might have a shot. Trump approval ratings are tanking. Wrong! Oh, this is this is one of those, again, uh, tenuous times for the Trump administration. On one hand, you've got the Mueller report that seems to be receding into the background. Seems to be receding into the background. Now, we'll see whether or not Mueller testifies, whether or not a lot of stuff winds up getting kicked up again. But if you're arguing about, you know, holding the attorney general in contempt, I, I feel like the ship has kind of sailed in terms of the wholesale berserker momentum that you really need to impeach and remove a president. But you have a lot of foreign policy stuff swirling. And quietly, in the background... You've got these approval ratings that for Donald Trump have historically been either the high 30s, low 40s. You've always had the Rudolph Rasmussen, the red-nosed reindeer, leading the cart. Rasmussen always has uh, Trump as an outlier way out ahead of other poll uh, approval polls. And so it's not a surprise that they've had Trump at like 50, 49. Here's what is surprising. NBC News Wall Street Journal has him at 46. Harvard Harris poll has him at 46. An Economist YouGov poll that came out on or today has him at 45. He got a few mixed in there. Politico Morning Consult has him at 43. Uh, IBP slash TIPP has him at 43. But by and large, there's like traction for Trump. Like when you start sniffing into the high forties, let alone the fifties, that's when you're getting into independent territory. I'm just saying it's something to keep a look at, or we could all just assume Trump's a clown show and that he poses no threat in the 2020 election. Wrong guys. We are done. We are done. Done with, uh, trying to, to police this circus, man. I'm, I'm not looking at, at another one of these seven people pole dances. I, I'm done telling people that they are outside the club. You want to know what? Hey, Chris Brown, Chris Brown, come here. I don't see how you can hate from outside of the club. I don't see how you can <laughs> shut up. I'm not even doing it. We're not keeping people out. It's about time we went mono a mono again. And so with that, with that, we begin our pole dance. Let's go ahead and cue up the music. 
Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a head-to-head -head CNN poll. This is the one and only world-famous PX3. Stepping up first to the stage in a national poll taken from April 25th to the 29th with a sample of 439 registered voters, a 5.7 margin of error. He is the sitting president of the United States, the conductor of the Trump train with 44% of the vote. He is Donald Trump! But your headliner It's pronounced Buddha Judge, cause he can smell that smoke. With 47% of the vote, he is Mayor That is Trump 44, Buddha Judge 47. Buddha Judge with a three point Let's go ahead and get into but your emails. You can always email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Jacob writes, Mayor Pete had a meet and greet in South Carolina today. It was close enough, so I went. Long story short, he now owns a copy of The Contender. I needed to get a new copy anyway. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To Jacob, for getting Mayor Pete a contender, I sent this email to my mom, who is apparently the number one Mayor Pete fan in the world. Of course, you can always get my card game, the game of presidential debate, uh, 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 the contender at Amazon. Go ahead and check that out now. But uh, I'm, I'm super pumped. And just in case you were wondering, as as Mayor Pete is looking out into the, those those South Carolina of uh, South Carolina meet and greets and is wondering where all the black people are there's px3 listener Jacob who's like please have a card game <laughs> Mike writes here's my theory on why liberal memes are on average worse number one there's large sense of templates that are considered problematic 
Asian father, hide your wife. So liberal memes have less raw material to jump off from. And number two, liberal memes have to qualify themselves. Is this exclusionary? Maybe I shouldn't post it. Whereas conservative memes can get away with being less nuanced. I didn't say that. You read too much into it. Two people sit down to make a Harry Potter meme. Liberal. J.K. Rowling says she's a feminist, but she's also a turf. She didn't push to fire Depp. Does that mean that she believes women? How does that weigh against the empowering a generation of young girls and destigmatizing people on social welfare programs? Conservative. Books that promote witchcraft are bad. Rowling should put out a video where she emphatically states, I'm not a witch. Well, there we go. David writes, It was hard to listen to that clip of Biden in Pennsylvania. You saying he sounded old was a nice way of putting it. Also, asking for a friend. Hallie's single now? I guess so. Middle-aged Mike writes, Just listened to PX3 Prime from yesterday, and I have a theory regarding Elizabeth Warren and her performance in the polls and regarding fundraising. My main thought is that she is too close to the Clinton camp and it's affecting her efforts to raise money and make traction. She is an old boomer white woman who stumped for Hillary in 2016. She sounds like her, she acts like her, and the younger base of her party aren't connecting with her. You've analyzed her rollout videos previously on the show, the I'm gonna go get me a beer to younger voters. She's not connecting and the Democratic funding establishment thinks it's Hillary 2.0 and they don't want to give her money. She has a good message, maybe, she has policy ideas, but in this race, it's not about that. It's about believing in the future and a leader who will guide us through it. As a Gen Xer, completely ignored, as usual in every way, I don't even want an old woman or man to lead us. I look at Biden, Bernie, Warren, and Trump as old and out of touch, living in a different time that has passed. Can we bring back the mid-20th century America? Spoiler alert, we shouldn't. You damn kids need to get off my lawn. I'm building a half pipe. Thank you, middle-aged Mike. All right. That about wraps it up for us today. If you would like to support the show, then you can always do it by heading over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. A shout out to all of our $3 club uh, members, the folks who get the extra podcast on Monday, the extra podcast on Friday. You can always email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Sign up for our free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Music has been provided by Valesco and Trop Killers, and you can follow me everywhere at Justin R. Young. Hey, you want a place to talk about politics that isn't toxic and awful? Head on over to my Discord bit.ly slash jury discord again bit.ly slash j-u-r-y d-i-s-c-o-r-d friends that brings us to the end of this program this is your old boy justin robert young reminding you that some shows talk about politics some shows talk about politics and i heard one the other day that talked about politics but this is the only show that talks about all
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>